You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. Jesus, friend of sinners, and especially, right, friend of the outcast, friend of, as we saw earlier, the, the tax collector. Uh, and so as we, as we start today, I want to ask a question. Um, how is your prayer life? How's your prayer life? Right, it's interesting as I've asked this in three different services, every time I ask this question, everybody looks away. Right, but, but I think we need to then ask ourselves, what's the criteria that we're using in our heads to answer this question? Right, is, it, is it based on the time that you spend in prayer? Right, like Luther was famous for saying that, that every day he prays for two hours a day, but when he's too busy, he prays for three hours. Right, so is, is that your baseline for answering this question? Right? Is, it, is it two or three hours a day? Or, or maybe is it the size of your prayer list? Right, I've got 68 names on my prayer list. How about you? Right, is, is that, is that the, uh, the way that we're judging how our prayer life is? Or what about how polished your prayers sound, right? Like, are, are you saying lots of really big words? Are you not saying any ums? Are you saying thee and thy? Like, is that how we base how good our prayers are? Are you basing them on on the way that I pray up in the altar because a good chunk of those are written by somebody in St. Louis who's a lot smarter than me. Right, so is, is that how you're answering this question? Or is it based on the result? Like, if you pray for something and it actually happens, does that mean that you have a good prayer life? Like, if you prayed this week that the Husker football team would not lose, congratulations, you have a great prayer life. Right, because yay, they didn't lose. What are you basing in your head? What's your criteria for answering the question, how's your prayer life? Well, I want to take a look at one way that Jesus answered that question of the criteria. He says in in Luke chapter 18, two men went up into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee, the religious guy standing by himself, assumedly in the middle, surrounded by other people, prayed this way. He said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, not like the extortioners or the unjust or the adulterers or even that tax collector who's standing over there in the corner. But I fast twice a week. I give tithes on all that I get. And and that kind of just is left hanging. And in my head, I'm finishing his prayer as like, I deserve your favor. But then the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And then Jesus says, I tell you that this man went down to his, just, his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exhausted. Or the one who humbles himself, uh, the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Right? And, and so Jesus is saying, 
part of how you can judge your prayer life is what's your posture of prayer? Do you come self-exalted or do you come humbled? Now, I could spend an entire sermon on just this phrase, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. But I already did that two months ago. So if you want to hear that one, go back to the August 28th sermon and you can hear that sermon again. But, but what I want to focus on today is this posture that the tax collector comes with as he prays this. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And this phrase, have mercy, it really means, Lord, save me. Save me. Now, the, now the Pharisee, when he came in, right, he focused on himself. He, there were a lot of eyes in this. Look how good I am. And as he was praying, uh, again, I picture all these people around him watching him pray and going, ooh, that's a good prayer. But as the tax collector comes in, he doesn't focus on himself. He focuses on God. He focuses on the one who can save. The Pharisee focused on his ability to really save himself, but the tax collector focused on the God who saves. Now mercy, we've used that word, mercy and grace, we use those words a lot. But those two words are really two sides of the same coin. Mercy is, is me not getting what I deserve, and grace is God giving me something that I don't deserve. Right? And so, in terms of mercy, what is it that you and I deserve from a holy and righteous God? Death. But not just like in the ground death, eternal death, eternal separation from God. That's what you deserve. That's what I deserve. That's what the tax collector deserved. It's what the Pharisee deserved. But as we see the tax collector, and I hope us as well, we realize that our only option then as we come before a holy and righteous God, our only option is to fall down our, on our knees and plead and beg that this holy and righteous God would have mercy on us. But this wasn't a new prayer for the, uh, for the tax collector. It's not a new prayer for us today. This is a prayer that has been happening for a long, long time. This is a prayer that came, at least we see a lot of it, from the Psalms. This is the prayer of the psalmist where, where they would pray, Lord, have mercy. Lord, save me. Uh, but they were often praying for two types of salvation. Uh, the first is, Lord, have mercy. This is what the tax collector was praying. Lord, have mercy on me because I am a sinner. The most famous prayer, the most famous psalm comes from David in Psalm 51, at least the most famous in this genre of Lord have mercy. And at the beginning, if you ever open up your Bible, sometimes there's like big headings at the beginning of a lot of the psalms. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And it's to give you a little bit of background, right? Since it's a collection of poems, where's this one coming from and how should it be sung? which we don't really know. Historians can't figure out what all these mean or the songs that went with them. But this one says, To the choir master, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had been with Bathsheba. Right? So uh, the story of David and Bathsheba, David has uh, adultery with, uh, with the married woman, and then he uh, basically plans the murder of her husband because she gets pregnant, and uh, he's trying to cover all of his sins. And then Nathan comes to him, 
and tells them the story about a rich man with lots of sheep and, and a poor man with one sheep, and, and the rich man goes because he's having somebody over, goes and takes that one sheep of the poor man, kills it, uh, and, and serves that, and asks, you know, what should be done to this person? And David says, he should be killed. And, da- and Nathan says to David, you are the man. And so David is confronted with his sin. And it's always before him, as he'll say. But, so this is how David responds. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. And behold, you delight in truth and the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. So purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. And then maybe these next three verses, especially if you've uh, ever been uh, to our traditional service or you grew up uh, in that, going to divine service four, these next three verses will sound very familiar. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. And restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. All right, so, so David confronted with his sin, says, Lord, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. But there are also times when the psalmist say, Lord, have mercy on me, I'm in need. Lord, have mercy on me, I'm, I'm nearing death, there, death is at my door, save me. And we get that especially in Psalm 57, again, to the choir master, according to do not destroy, it's a, the way to sing it, uh, a victim of David when he fled from Saul in the cave. And so when, when his life is in jeopardy, David cries out, be merciful to me, Lord have mercy, right? Oh God, be merciful to me for in you my soul takes refuge, right? You're my, you're my shelter, you're my safe place. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send me from heaven and save me. He will put to shame he who tramples me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts. The children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are like sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. So here at the end of this, I thought about stopping a verse earlier, but here at the end of it, we get a result here, right? He's asking to be saved, and and then at the end of this, we hear David saying, look, you've done it, right? They set a net for my steps. They tried to trap me and I was, I was sad, I was, I was longing for salvation. They dug a pit in my way, but they themselves have fallen into it. So we get this result that God was faithful. God did have mercy. And then also we hear from Psalm 23, we get a couple verses in there that says, have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough contempt. Our life has been hard. 
O my soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. And then that's how the psalm ends. So here we get no resolution, right? What's, what's going to happen? So as we, as we look at these psalms, as we look at the tax collector who cries out, Lord, have mercy, and, and Jesus commends him for his prayer, my question is then, what's your prayer, right? Is it, Lord, have mercy on me? I'm a sinner. Lord, have mercy on me. I, I'm in need of, of saving from, from everything that's going on around me. You know, but that's not the only psalms. There are lots of psalms of thanksgiving and praise. And so maybe, maybe you're not in distress like David was, but maybe you're in great joy, in a season of great joy. And so maybe your prayer would be, Lord, thank you for your mercy, even though I do not deserve it. So if those were your prompts, how would you finish that prayer? How would you write your Psalm 151 or 152? Well, here's mine. Here's my Psalm 151. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Wash me clean of my misplaced priorities. Forgive me of my sinful desires. Show mercy when I praise myself for the victories and blame you for the defeats. Bend my will to your will. Amen. Or when I'm in those times of great joy, Lord, have mercy or Lord, thank you for your mercy. I don't, I don't deserve it. I deserve death, but you have given me life. And then maybe you recognize some of these words, right? You have given me my body and my soul, my eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and you still take care of them. You've also given me clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, wife and children, land, animal. I should just say animal because we just got one. Uh, and all that I have, you richly and daily provide me with all that I need to support this body and life. You defend me against all danger, and you guard and protect me from all evil. And all this you do only out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy. For all this is my duty to thank and praise you, to serve and obey you. Amen. All right, those are my Psalms 151 and 152. So what I want for you today is to write Psalm 153. What's your prayer? Does it start, Lord, have mercy on me? A sinner? Does it start, Lord, have mercy on me, I am in need of saving? Or does it start, Lord, thank you for your mercy, I do not, des- I do not deserve it? And so I'm actually going to give you some time right now to write your next psalm, whether it's Psalm 151, 152, 153, 275, I don't care, right? But in the back, uh, under that Psalm, under it says Psalms 51, 57, 86, 23. If you don't know where to start, take a look at those. But start with one of these phrases, and I'm going to give you a couple minutes to write your prayer, to write your psalm. And so whether you want to pull out a piece of paper and take notes, whether you want to pull out the notes section on your phone or even an email to yourself so that you can keep it, or if you got children and you want to just have that conversation with them or, or someone else around you, take two minutes and write your prayer.
Lord, have mercy on me. I'm, I'm a sinner. Lord, have mercy on me. I'm in need of saving from my circumstances. Or Lord, thank you for your mercy. I do not deserve it.